joined today by Brent and Ashley Jackson, the owners of Innovative Solutions for Homeowners, correct? Innovative yeah. Solutions for Homeowners. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about your business, tell us what you do, and, uh, you know, where are you located? All right, you want to start? Okay, so Innovative Solutions for Homeowners, we are a real estate investment firm. Uh, we are... Houston is home base, uh, but we do own properties in Texas, Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina. We just missed one in Arkansas, man. The guy just sold. Uh, but anyway, uh, we call ourselves Innovative Solutions because we typically work with homeowners who are uh, distressed, and uh, we purchase their properties quickly. We're those guys that say, hey, we want to close fast. Um, and then we flip those properties. We either flip them into buy and hold rentals, or we uh, use something called owner finance, which is a creative uh, real estate creative finance real estate investment strategy that we use very often uh, okay. right now we are well we i wouldn't say we're starting a show we already have a show called renovate to rent where we focus on uh renovating dilapidated properties and we make them beautiful and then we only rent those out to voucher holders like section eight eden veterans uh, that, that way your money is guaranteed with them right if you do it that way absolutely yeah, yeah. everybody else was losing rent money in corona and ours was still like clockwork yeah, I heard that if you do, uh, if you flip a home or you have a rental property, it's best to give it to someone that's on Section 8. But is the, what about, you know, they, they have a history or they always say that they tear your homes up and it costs you more oh, in the I long hate run. People say that. Man, I hate when people say that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. So is that, I'm at, is that true for you all or is that just myth? Not even close. I think Section 8 renters are just like any other renter. You know, as a landlord, you need to go through the screening process. Now, I will say, um, you know, we do have a few additional steps in our screening process where we like, uh, we say we're in the neighborhood and you still need to sign a paper that we forgot about and we kind of drop in and that's how we see how you're currently living. Okay. And that's how you're going to treat our property. Uh, but we have not had any terrible experiences with Section 8 tenants at all. As, as a matter of fact, they've been our favorite tenants so far. Yeah, that brings, uh, when you said that dropping in, it, it reminds me of I had a home in Detroit on the east side. And the block was, it wasn't in the best neighborhood, but it was, you know, it was really nice. And uh, we kept it together. And we could, you can hear, I'm telling you, you can hear the noise getting louder and louder, like a wave just moving down. And what we found out was that once um, this family moved in on the adjacent block, that the mom was renting the home and she had like four boys and two girls, but they all, they were all like 19, 20 or whatever. And they was, they would stay in, in the homes and then, you know, wouldn't pay the rent and all that. And then just get put out and just ransack the front the house. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Headache, you know? Yeah. Uh, for us, it's like, as Ashley said, we go by there, and it's just a ride by. You're just looking to make sure the property's well kept together, uh, making sure, you know, it's in good condition, people not hanging out in front of the property, old vehicles that's in the yard that's or in the driveway uh, that really shouldn't be there. And you can tell um, because it, in the beginning of the screening process, you know, you're asking these type of questions of, Hey, how many vehicles who's staying there, you know, and it, you can tell if there's a visitor or not because you ride by there and you still see the same vehicle that's been there. For and you, you have to do that because that's your investment, right? That's your livelihood, exactly. right? That's how that's how you're going to leave your wealth to your children. And, you know, they always say there's nothing greater than, than owning property. Real estate mm -hmm. is the uh, best way to 100%. create wealth, right? I know back home, I, I 
purchased one home. Well, I had one home built as far as rental property. I did have, I did purchase one, but I sold it. Whatever reason, um, the young lady across the street just wanted to buy the house. And once I had the house uh, renovated and fixed up, the very next day, I'm telling you, I was locking the gate. And, you know, I just had taken the mop and everything else out and was locking the gate. And she came out and said, I'm going to buy this property from you. And she did. And that was the only property that I had. For whatever reason, I got out of it. I don't know why. I don't know what scared me. I just never did it again. But I did make a, a, a good investment. Now, what what type of investment, how much do you need in order to make a, a good investment, whether you're going to flip a home or just a rental property? How, what do you need? Because I, I heard you say something about a program that you guys have or that you, that you use. Tell us about that. Yes, so we uh, have a section of our business called the REI Teachers, the Real Estate Investor Teachers, and that's where we allow people to shadow us uh, for the day, and then the next day they have like a classroom uh, training. And this is where we teach people how to purchase real estate with no money. Every time I say that people wait for the gimmick or they wait for the punchline, but there is no gimmick, there is no punchline. Uh, We do something called subject to. So we take over homes uh, subject to their current mortgage or subject to their current taxes, whatever it might be. And so we're able to get these houses with zero dollars up front. And then once we get them, uh, they're usually really nice homes already. Um, People always have this idea in real estate investing that um, it's like these poor people who made bad decisions. And really, most of our clients are doctors, lawyers who just don't want to pay two mortgages and they have to move. Oh, okay. Uh, Take over the mortgage and then we sell the house with something called owner financing which is another creative real estate investing strategy. And so if I can just walk you through one really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Now, don't give all your gifts away because I don't want you to give away and then someone decides not to come to the class. So, you know, make sure you hold back a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't want you to give it all away, but go ahead. Please share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I can give you one example. It's actually our very first one that we did a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, So this house was worth $210,000. Uh, This person was, again, a professional. Uh, They just didn't want to continue paying two mortgages. Um, So they reached out to Britt and I, and we were able to go ahead and take over the mortgage payment. Uh, So, again, we were in for $0. This house was worth $210,000. The remaining balance. So you just, uh, I don't mean to cut you, but you just, so they just allowed you to, so did the mortgage payment stay in their name or did it come to you? Yes, great question. I should have said that. Yes, the mortgage remains in their name, but the property is deeded over to me. So okay. I own the property, but I do not own the debt. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm yeah. listening. So yeah. we took that one over, so there was $185,000 remaining. So that's what we purchased the contract for, subject to, from the seller. Uh, seven or eight days later, we sold the house with owner financing. So when we sold the house, we sold it for the market value, which was $210,000. Uh, so we sold that with owner financing, and that means we become the bank, right? So mm-hmm. we're the one who is going to... Um, lend the money when really we're not lending it we're just wrapping it around the current financing that was already there so that person gave us a twenty thousand dollar down payment the monthly pity for that house was fifteen hundred so we made the pity for the new owner eighteen hundred so we received three hundred dollars cash flow per month and then when that person refinanced uh, they initially refinanced about a year later through a traditional bank and when they did that then we also were paid on the back end because the bank has to pay us off our old balance and so that's why we love this investment strategy. We got in for $0. Mm-hmm. We got a $1,000 down payment up front. 
$300 a month cash flow per month while that owner was still there or um, using our financing. And then once he fixed his credit and he was able to finance, refinance with the bank, then we got paid again on the back end. Oh, that's cold right there. That's cold. Now, so that that is, is that something that you guys just picked up or did someone teach you that? How did you find out that that is a oh way to God. do business? I hate this story. Man, I hate this story because I, so I didn't mean to get into this kind of real estate, right? When mm -hmm. I first started out, I was a wholesaler. And um, after I wholesaled so much and we had had some capital, um, you know, saved up, we wanted to go and buy our first rental property. So we went to go, I hate this story, man, because we, we, we really want to <laughs> So basically, we bought this house and we closed on it. Mm -hmm. Rehabbed it before we closed. The worst thing you could ever do in real estate. First thing, right? So we rehabbed the house before we even closed on it. Found out that there was a bunch of liens on this house, maybe like eighty-five thousand dollars worth of liens. The house was only worth like twenty thousand. It was in the inner city uh, in Cleveland. Okay. So I'm trying to explain. I didn't even know how we're going to explain to. Bro that we now owe $85,000 on this house that was only worth $20,000 that we had just rehabbed that we technically still didn't own yet because we didn't close because of all the liens. The title company didn't want to close it. So had the seller saw the house finished, there's no way in the world she would have sold that house to us because the house was beautiful, ready to go. So we had to keep that secret that we had finished it. Uh, we had to find a title company who was willing to close it, which nobody was. So my very first rental property, I had to do a self-close. I just Googled YouTube University, reached out to some help uh, mentors for help. Self-closed it. Uh, we still had the $85,000 worth of liens. At this point, I had no idea that this was a whole niche in real estate, right? Uh, so I hired someone to negotiate the liens. She was able to get all of the liens taken off. So now we have this beautiful house, free and clear. Uh, didn't have to pay any money for it, except what Britt had to do to rehab it. And once we saw that, we was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We just made a lot of money. Yeah, it's. I, I can see how that just... That light bulb just went off. Like I can do this yeah, again. It was bright too. Yeah, I know that that that, that cash is. So they that cash, that cash usually turns on the light for you. So yeah, I can see how that just inspires you guys to keep going. That's I'm telling you, that's it's that's a wonderful story. That is a story that you should lead with all the time because that to me shows how you guys had to fight because obviously there was a fight in doing it. I know it wasn't always a a great story to tell when you're going through it. You don't know how it's going to turn out. But look how it turned out. And I think that that is yeah. a, a wonderful story that you guys have now. How do you, uh, now I heard you say that Brent had to do all of the, was doing the labor. So is that how you, you uh, she's the brains and you're the muscle. That's how you break that's down it. what's going to happen. She likes to think of it different. I'm like, no, I think that's how it rolls. But yeah, so we, you know, after we said, hey, babe, I got a house. You know, let's check it out. We look at it together. We go through all the details, and then it's up to me and my crew to go in and come up with a scope. Mm -hmm. I scope to Ashley, let her know, hey, this is what we're going to do to the property to get it ready to go. And uh, we kind of just sit down and see which angles we want to take. And once we've done that, then we go and get to work and get started with the rehab. So that's now, pretty much having into it, you know, head first. Now, you guys have... Um and what, you know, people like myself that are not realtors, do you have realtor license or are you just, this is something no. that you got, oh, no realtor license. Heck no. You're just doing it. Okay. Realtors, I mean, think about it with the license, you're held to certain standards, you're held okay. to certain laws and policies. That would hold us and back. So all, and all that money just comes to you all because you're doing the labor for you and your household, not for someone else. 
Pandora House. So it's truly, you're truly free, independent. Yeah. Okay. On today by Brent and Ashley Jackson, the owners of Innovative Solutions for Homeowners, correct? Innovative yeah. Solutions for Homeowners. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about your business, tell us what you do, and, uh, you know, where you locate. So Innovative Solutions for Homeowners, we are a real estate investment firm. Uh, we are, Houston is home base, uh, but we do own properties in Texas, Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina. We just missed one in Arkansas, man. The guy just sold. Uh, but anyway, uh, we call ourselves Innovative Solutions because we typically work with homeowners who are uh, distressed and uh, we purchase their properties quickly. We're those guys that say, hey, we want to close fast. Um, and then we flip those properties. We either flip them into buy and hold rentals or we uh, use something called owner finance, which is a creative uh, real estate, creative finance real estate investment strategy that we use very often. Uh, okay. Right now, we are, well, we, I wouldn't say we're starting a show. We already have a show called Renovate to Rent, where we focus on uh, renovating dilapidated properties and we make them beautiful. And then we only rent those out to voucher holders like Section 8, Eden, Veterans. Because that, uh, that way your money is guaranteed with them, right? If you do it that way. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard that if you do, uh, if you flip a home or you have a rental property, it's best to give it to someone that's on Section 8. But is the, what about, you know, they, they have a history or they always say that they tear your homes up and it costs you more oh, in the I long run. Say that. Man, I hate when people say that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. So is that, I mean, is that true for you all or is that just myth? Not even close. I think Section 8 renters are just like any other renter. You know, as a landlord, you need to go through the screening process. Now, I will say, um, you know, we do have a few additional steps in our screening process where we like, uh, we say we're in the neighborhood and you still need to sign a paper that we forgot about and we kind of drop in and that's how we see how you're currently living. Okay. And that's how you're going to treat our property. Uh, but we have not had any terrible experiences with Section 8 tenants at all. As, as a matter of fact, they've been our favorite tenants so far. Yeah, that brings, uh, when you said that dropping in, it, it reminds me of I had a home in Detroit on the east side. And the block was, it wasn't in the best neighborhood, but it was, you know, it was really nice. And uh, we kept it together. And we could, you could hear, I'm telling you, you can hear the noise getting louder and louder, like a wave just moving down. And what we found out was that once um, this family moved in on the adjacent block, that the mom was renting the home, and she had like four boys and two girls, but they all—they were all like nineteen and twenty or whatever—and they was—they would stay in in the homes, and then you know wouldn't pay the rent and all that, and then just get put out and just ransack the the house, and um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. For us, it's like, like as Ashley said, we go by there and it's just a ride by. You're just looking to make sure the property is well kept together, uh, making sure, you know, it's in good condition. People not hanging out in front of the property, old vehicles that's in the yard that's or in the driveway uh, that really shouldn't be there. And you can tell um, because it, in the beginning of the screening process, you know, you're asking these type of questions of, how many vehicles who stay in there, you know, and you can tell if there's a visitor or not because you ride by there and you still see the same vehicle that's been there. For and you, you have to do that because that's your investment, right? That's your livelihood, exactly. right? That's how that's how you're going to leave your wealth to your children. And, you know, they always say there's nothing greater than, than owning property, 
real estate mm-hmm. is the uh, best way to 100%. create wealth. All right. I know back home, I I purchased one home. Well, I had one home built as far as rental property. I did have, I did purchase one, but I sold it. But whatever reason, um, the young lady across the street just wanted to buy the house. And once I had the house uh, renovated and fixed up, the very next day, I'm telling you, I was locking the gate. And, you know, I just had taken the mop and everything else out and was locking the gate. And she came out and said, I'm going to buy this property from you. And she did. And that was the only property that I had. For whatever reason, I got out of it. I don't know why. I don't know what scared me. I just never did it again. But I did make a, a, a good investment. Now, what what type of investment, how much do you need in order to make a, a good investment, whether you're going to flip a home or just a rental mm-hmm. property? How, what do you need? Because I, I heard you say something about a program that you guys have or that you, that you use. Tell us about that. Yes, so we uh, have a section of our business called the REI Teachers, the Real Estate Investor Teachers, and that's where we allow people to shadow us uh, for the day, and then the next day they have like a classroom uh, training. And this is where we teach people how to purchase real estate with no money. Every time I say that people wait for the gimmick or they wait for the punchline, but there is no gimmick, there is no punchline. Uh, We do something called subject to. So we take over homes uh, subject to their current mortgage or subject to their current taxes, whatever it might be. And so we're able to get these houses with zero dollars up front. And then once we get them, uh, they're usually really nice homes already. Um, People always have this idea in real estate investing that um, it's like these poor people who made bad decisions. And really, most of our clients are doctors, lawyers who just don't want to pay two mortgages and they have to move. Oh, okay. Uh, Take over the mortgage and then we sell the house with something called owner financing which is another creative real estate investing strategy. And so if I can just walk you through one really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Since now, don't give all your gifts away because I don't want you to give away and then someone decides not to come to the class. So, you know, make sure you hold back a little bit. All right, I just don't want you to give it all away, but go ahead. Please share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I can give you one example. It's actually our very first one that we did a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, so this house was worth $210,000. Uh, this person was, again, a professional. Uh, they just didn't want to continue paying two mortgages. Um, so they reached out to Britt and I, and we were able to go ahead and take over the mortgage payment. Uh, so, again, we were in for $0. This house was worth $210,000. Um, the remaining value. So you just, uh, I don't mean to cut you, but you just, so they just allowed you to, so did the mortgage payment stay in their name, or did it come yes, to you? Yes, great question. I should have said that. Yes, the mortgage remains in their name, but the property is deeded over to me. So okay. I own the property, but I do not own the debt. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm yeah. listening. So yeah. we took that one over. So there was $185,000 remaining. So that's what we purchased the contract for, subject to, from the seller. Uh, seven or eight days later, we sold the house with owner financing. So when we sold the house, we sold it for the market value, which was $210,000. Uh, so we sold that with owner financing. And that means we become the bank, right? So mm-hmm. we're the one who is going to... Um, lend the money when really we're not lending it we're just wrapping it around the current financing that was already there so that person gave us a twenty thousand dollar down payment the monthly pity for that house was fifteen hundred so we made the pity for the new owner eighteen hundred so we received three hundred dollars cash flow per month and then when that person refinanced uh, they initially refinanced about a year later through a traditional bank and when they did that then we also were paid on the back end because the bank has to pay us off our old balance and so that's why we love this investment strategy. We got in for $0. Mm-hmm. We got a $1,000 down payment up front. 
$200 a month cash flow per month while that owner was still there or um, using our financing. And then once he fixed his credit and he was able to finance, refinance with the bank, then we got paid again on the back end. Oh, that's cold right there. That's cool. Now, so that that is, is that something that you guys just picked up or did someone teach you that? How did you find out that that is a oh way to do business? I hate this story. Man, I hate this story because I, so I didn't mean to get into this kind of real estate, right? When mm -hmm. I first started out, I was a wholesaler. And um, after I wholesaled so much and we had had some capital, um, you know, saved up, we wanted to go and buy our first rental property. So we went to go, I hate this story, man, because we, we, we really went to that. <laughs> So basically, we bought this house and we closed on it. Mm -hmm. We had the before we closed the worst thing you could ever do in real estate. First thing, right? So we rehabbed the house before we even closed on it. Found out that there was a bunch of liens on this house, maybe like eighty-five thousand dollars worth of liens. The house was only worth like twenty thousand. It was in an inner city uh, in Cleveland. Okay. So I'm trying to explain. I didn't, I didn't know how we're going to explain to. Bruce. That we now owe $85,000 on this house that was only worth $20,000 that we had just rehabbed that we technically still didn't own yet because we didn't close because of all the liens. The title company didn't want to close it. So, had the seller saw the house finished, there's no way in the world she would have sold that house to us because the house was beautiful, ready to go. So, we had to keep that secret that we had finished it. Uh, we had to find a title company who was willing to close it, which nobody was. So, my very first rental property, I had to do a self close. I just Googled YouTube University, reached out to some help, uh, mentors for help. Self-closed it. Uh, we still have the $85,000 worth of liens. At this point, I had no idea that this was a whole niche in real estate, right? Uh, so I hired someone to negotiate the liens. She was able to get all of the liens taken off. So now we have this beautiful house, free and clear. Uh, didn't have to pay any money for it, except what Britt had to do to rehab it. And once we saw that, we was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We just made a lot of money. Yeah, it's. I, I can see how that just... That light bulb just went off. Like I can do this again. It was bright too. Yeah, I know that that that, that, that cash is. So they that cash, that cash usually turns on the light for you. So yeah, I can see how that just inspires you guys to keep going. That's I'm telling you. That's it's that's a wonderful story. That is a story that you should lead with all the time because that to me shows how you guys had to fight because obviously there was a fight in doing it. I know it wasn't always a a great story to tell when you're going through it. You don't know how it's going to turn out. But look how it turned out. And I think that that is yeah. a, a wonderful story that you guys have now. How do you, uh, now I heard you say that Brent had to do all of the, was doing the labor. So is that how you, you uh, she's the brains and you're the muscle. That's how you break that's down it. what's going to happen. Kind of the, Ashley's the brains, I'm the muscle. She likes to think of it different. I'm like, no, I think that's how it rolls. But yeah, so we, you know, after she says, hey, babe, I got a house. You know, let's check it out. We look at it together. We go through all the details. And then it's up to me and my crew to go in and come up with a scope. Mm -hmm. I scope to Ashley, let her know, hey, this is what we're going to do to the property to get it ready to go. And uh, we kind of just sit down and see what the angles we want to take. And once we've done that, then we go and get to work and get started with the rehab. So that's now, pretty much having into it, you know, head first. Now, you guys have... Um and what, you know, people like myself that are not realtors, do you have realtor license or do you just, this is something nope. that you got, oh, no realtor license. Heck no. You're just doing it. Okay. Realtors, I mean, think about it with the license, you're held to certain standards, you're held okay. to certain laws and policies. That would hold us and back. So all, and all that money just comes to you all because you're doing the labor for you and your household, not for someone else. 
Pandora House. So it's truly, you're truly free, independent. Yeah. Okay. So the, if you like in Michigan, they have um, what's called, um, they're not nooses abatement homes anymore. They call these, um, they're like dollar homes or they actually sell them for like a thousand dollars. And hey, true, uh, the, the um, audio's going out. We can't hear you on Okay, this can you hear me now? Maybe I was moving. Yep. All right. So you, you, the homes they have in Detroit are, they have homes that are sold by the city. And these homes are usually in bad shape, but they can be rehabbed, right? And they usually give you, um, I guess, an estimated amount of which the home, the home would cost you to fix up. Now, is that type of list what you guys go off on? Or are you just really just canvassing the area for homes in that you know in that particular area for whatever price range you want to spend? How do you find the home that you that you then turn into that that uh, diamond in the rough, so to speak? Yeah, so we don't use any of those lists uh, yet because it's saturated, right? Those lists go to all investors, okay. um, and so the best way for investors to make money is to find a niche where you don't have competition. So a lot of the houses that we look into are vacant homes that we find on our, on our own. And I'll let Britt talk about this because he loves doing the driving for dollars. I can't stand it. <laughs> hey man, I love it. It's called what? Say it again. It's called what? Driving for dollars. Oh, driving for That's when you're just driving around? Driving around. You're looking for um, dilapidated properties, mm-hmm. uh, vacant properties, so to speak. And, of course, there's a you know guideline to what you want to look for to know that it probably is going to be a vacant uh, mm-hmm. property. So once you find one, obviously you want to do your own due diligence and, and, and find out more information about the property. Um, and then you want to make sure you get all the information that you can, find out who owns the property. And from that point, then you start to uh, get the information processed so that you can acquire the property. Okay. Now, if someone wants to inquire about your class that you, that you have here, how, how would they do that? Where could they find that information? Oh man, definitely look up, look for us on Facebook. Um, Jackson Innovates presents the REI Teachers. Uh, you can also sign up on our website, www.jacksoninnovates.com. Um, and then of course, Instagram, Jackson underscore Innovates. Okay. And uh, on YouTube, we're Innovative Solutions for Homeowners. You got every every aspect covered. Nothing on Twitter? Did you say Twitter? Man, or the... you know what? We're old. They had to make us get on IG. I know we look young, but we're not young. <laughs> I understand. Trust me. I understand the whole Twitter and IG game is, is rough for us. It it truly <laughs> is. It just didn't seem like it was a smooth transition for myself either. So I totally understand. Now, you guys are going to come out. You have a podcast coming, right? No, we actually have a show. Oh, uh, a show. Yeah. Um. So we talked to production. We're not allowed to say the network, but I'll say it is a very uh, popular streaming service. Okay. When you watch it. Okay. Uh, but uh, yes, it's called Renovate to Rent. And this is more of where they're highlighting the tenants that we work with. Um, because what makes us a little bit different about other Section 8 landlords is our houses are beautiful. Yeah. We have excellent floors. Um, what other tall do you use? Like the fancy tall? Um, definitely hard. Oh, ceramic, ceramic, hardwood. I mean, we're going in the homes. We're making as if we would actually stay there in that process. I guess you want, you know, that you're in competition with other homeowners that are leasing and so you want to be able to attract um you know customers in that want to rent from you also so right. that's well, why you, section you put there's it up. more tenants than landlords because a lot of landlords shy away from section mm-hmm. 8 because of that stereotype that we have mm-hmm. uh, but we do it nicely because we 
Again, I'm from the hood, you know, and I strongly believe that when you change people's environment, you definitely change their trajectory in life. Um, yeah. But a lot of these recipients, they have children. And I, I honestly think if you're surrounded in a house that's beautiful, you're walking on porcelain tiles every day, it just gives you a different type of swag about yourself. Like, you just feel different yeah. about yourself. I, I believe that to be true. And I do, that negative connotation has been there for a long time. And I have heard other landlords say they, yeah, that they don't put high-end appliances and things like that because it is a Section 8. But I also can understand the opposite. People deserve it. Like, if you look at and you crunch the numbers and you look at the prices that that you're going to spend, it's it's not a huge difference um, to to make a home very nice for a family, you know? So why not spend a little more so that you can, they can appreciate it, you know? And a lot of times we'll even take, uh, you know, some info from them, just kind of say, hey, you know, what is something that you would like to see in a home? And then try to incorporate that in the home so it really does feel like their own home. Yeah. I think that's that's a, that is uh, that's what's up right there to make uh, to allow them to have input on what they want to see and the appliances or whatever that they want to use in the house. Obviously, that gives them a sense of ownership, also, right? And and when you have that sense of ownership, that means they're going to take care of the home uh, even more, which is a benefit for them and also a benefit for you. But I think it's awesome that you guys have all of this going on. You have uh, the real estate game going on, and also your TV show coming on. Now, you say it's going to be more directed with the renters and not you all, or are you going to still just be your interaction with them? I'm going to keep yeah, picking until I get a little bit more information. Uh, but the highlight will be the tenants that we're working with because, you know, they have a lot of home improvement shows out, but we like to call ours a life improvement show. Uh, and so it's, it's really highlighting the tenant and how we can best serve them. You know, I think that is absolutely wonderful. I truly do. I think because you – are really elevating the renter. Now I'll tell you a little bit that I about myself. I had, you know, back in the dot com when everything was coming out, uh, Amazon or my idea was uh, it was called Squatter Monster, and it was a website that I wanted to create. I tried to create it actually for landlords to place tenants and squatters on, and it was really just to show the damage that was done to the house and those who were good tenants. So you can show both. And it was something that was, I was trying to create for landlords around the country and eventually around the world to use, to communicate with each other on bad tenants and on good tenants. And also it it was a section on there for tenants to put in comments about this landlord or what have you. Um, So I did have the website up for a while. But it was back then, it was costing a pretty penny to get all of that done. 